0: Uh, today let's dive in. I, I want to talk to you about a relationship that we see in the scripture um, in the scriptures between a guy named David and a guy named Jonathan and Before we dive into that relationship and begin to to unpack that and what I believe God's speaking to us as a, a people and as a church right now, I want to take you back to where we first started this and It was with some people trying to challenge Jesus. Do you guys remember this if you were here with us? They were trying to challenge Jesus, and they said, what's the greatest commandment? They were trying to trip him up and stump him, and he said, it's to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and he was quoting Deuteronomy chapter 6 here, and just, it's the first, like, prayer that a Jewish person would pray every day. He was quoting this, and then Jesus goes on to say, the second is like it, to love your neighbor as... Yourself, good, yeah, as yourself, and he was quoting a passage in Leviticus, so God's always been saying since very long ago, love your neighbor as yourself, and I think that's interesting as we're going to begin to look at this relationship with Jonathan and David, because Jonathan loves David as himself. So for those of you that don't know who David is in the scripture, you, you might remember like Jews like wear the star of David and that's on their flag. That's this David that we're talking about. But before he, he got, his, got a star and named after that and he was like the, the best king that Israel had ever had, um, he was just this shepherd boy from a podunk town. He was the youngest in his family. How many people youngest in your family? Okay, got some youngest in the family. He was from a podunk town that nobody had ever heard of. Anybody from a podunk town nobody's ever heard of? Okay, there you go, right? Not much good comes from there, and that's kind of where David was from. And he was the youngest um, in his family, and so they gave him with the worst job, which was the shepherd, to, to go out and stand out there because it was super lonely, first of all. I mean, just imagine this, hours and hours a day being out um, in the middle of a field caring for sheep. But God was gonna be doing something and preparing him during this time, and, and I think some of you are probably in a David shepherding season right now where like, you're, you're kind of doing the grunt work or, or you're, not, you're doing work that, man, nobody would say, man, that's a great job, uh, or, or you feel like you're just kind of the least and, and you're not being recognized for the effort you're putting forth, but David was just faithful in this shepherding, and he was learning a lot about God in this time, and we see that pinned in the Psalms when he begins to write things like, the Lord is my shepherd, as he's out shepherding, he's now realizing God's my shepherd. I'm out here alone, but God is taking care of me, and he's going to provide all my needs. So the story keeps going as he's been prepared in the field, and, and, and you know this one for sure, that uh, there came a time where there was this Philistine giant that was really wanting to, to, to battle in the Philistine army, and we call him Goliath, and at this time, Goliath was—nobody would step up to the plate to fight this, and here comes David just kind of moseying up like, what's going on here, guys? and we think that he's not ill prepared for this but he was supremely prepared because he had the spirit of the lord he didn't come with with strength and might but he came with the spirit of the lord and nothing's more powerful than god's presence and a spirit and he had a slingshot he he did have skills that could Help him defeat this giant. So he he defeats the giant, as you know, and he begins to be known really well in Israel. So much to the point that people are singing songs about him, like Saul has slain his thousands and David has slain his tens of thousands. And Saul is Israel's first king. See, God didn't intend for Israel to be an autocracy uh, with a king. He didn't intend for it to be a democracy either. He intended for it to be a theocracy, that he was, they were led by him and him alone. They would be distinctly different from all other nations. But Israel said, no, we want to be like everybody else. We kind of want a king like them. We want the fanfare of a king, with the protection of a king. And, and all along, God was like, I just want you to trust me. I want you to be different from everyone else. So it goes on, and as David is rising up through the ranks, Saul sees him, and you know the phrase, if you keep your friends closer, but keep your enemies even closer, right? And so he brings David into his service, and and we're going to pick up as Saul's anxiety and stress and insecurity is getting the best of him, as David is rising up and he's now in Saul's service. But we're not going to really spend time talking about David and Saul today, we're really going to spend time talking about David And Jonathan, and Jonathan is Saul's son. And I want to talk to you about being a Jonathan. I want to talk to you about being a Jonathan for our neighbors, for one another, for the body of Christ. And I believe that God's going to speak to us. Three simple things. We're going to go to three different texts in 1 Samuel. We're just going to glimpse in for just a few verses. And I just want to share from from these passages. Let's begin with 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're going to read the first four verses. After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. It sounds familiar, right? From that day, Saul kept David with him, and he did not let him return to his father's house. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Remember that word, covenant, with David because he loved him as himself. There it goes again, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and he gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. The first word that I I, I wanna just just let it settle with us is the word intentionality. Intentionality, because I wanna be talking to you about groups, I wanna talk to us about relationships, I wanna talk to us about doing life together in community because I believe that's what God's called us to. Most of us, we only experience Christian community in rows and not in circles. But we believe that no disciple walks alone, that God has called us to do this life together and we're better when we do it together. But the truth of the matter is that we're not super intentional about it. We're hoping that it'll happen organically. Right? We're hoping that we'll just find this Jonathan in our life who will just show up and be one with us and love, them, love us as themselves, as themselves, and they'll sacrifice for us and they'll give the cloak for us. But I believe that God's calling us to, to truly understand the depth of this, of, of this. because I think as we, we begin to get into this, most of us will begin to say, hey, where's my Jonathan? where's the Jonathan in my life who's going to sacrifice for me, who's going to give me, who's going to be intentional and say, I'm going to make a covenant with you. A covenant is just a spiritual commitment, like a spiritual commitment to one another. And he was leaning in and being intentional about this relationship. And what I think is interesting that I think applies to a lot of us, how many of you have d- a demanding boss or a demanding job or a demanding schedule? Like, probably a, a lot of you in the room. Like, it, it asks a lot of you, and that's kind of where David was. He'd come from being a shepherd, so he was kind of used to being alone. But now he was away from everything he, he, he knew. He didn't go back home to his family. The scriptures say that, no, Saul wouldn't let him go back home. So, so Saul, David was really, really alone at this time. And so when Jonathan came along and said, look, I've, I've got your back, and, 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 I, and he began to love him as himself, he was making a spiritual commitment that God has placed you in my life for a reason, and I'm going to lean in and truly be intentional about this. And that intentionality, I, I just want to explain this in, in three different, with three different words. The first is necessity, second is priority, and the third is opportunity. See, when something becomes a priority, so things become a priority when they become a necessity like you go to the dentist and he's like your your, your teeth are terrible man you got to start flossing and like all of a sudden like you start flossing because he said it's a it's a priority so it becomes a necessity or you, you go to the doctor and he's like your heart's terrible man you know you could have a heart attack at any point or you have something like that take place you need to eat better you need to change your diet so we can get your cholesterol down or or whatever, all of a sudden it becomes a priority because it's a necessity for our lives. But for most of us, relationships, we, we kind of take them for granted. We, t- we take for granted the fact that we need them. And, and so in that, we're not intentional about them uh, as we should be. We just kind of hope that they'll happen. I remember <clears throat> when I was uh, much, much younger, I remember always praying, like praying for a Jonathan in my life and, and and over time, like God would just stir in this in me, and like don't quit quit looking for a Jonathan and just be a Jonathan, like quit quit searching for that, and like just just trust me and like be one. Like that's what I'm calling you to is not to just go searching and trying to make it happen, but just to to be a Jonathan, to be intentional about spiritual commitment to one another. And this is not something that I, I'm. Uh, practice or preaching one thing and practicing another. In my own life, I'm, I'm very intentional about community because the thought that I, it will just happen escapes me. Like, it doesn't just happen. Like, I have to be intentional about it. And so, like, for me, like, as a pastor, like, I, I signed up to be in a group with pastors, and I paid, like, a, a lot of money, like, to be a part of this group. Like, Yes, paid money to be a part of intentional community because I want to be that intentional about it and I'll put money on the line because I know how much I need it. We have to know that it's a, it's a necessity in our life for our growth and for our health. For our growth and our health. See, Some of us, we may think that we're mature in Christ and this is a hard word and like this has been revealed in my life many times. We believe that we're mature in Christ because we're not in community. Because once we get into community, all that's going to do is reveal we're not as mature as we thought we were. Because I'm not as patient as I thought I was. I'm not as understanding as I thought I was. I'm, as soon as I enter into community, now I have to deal with the fact that I'm not as patient, as loving, and as mature as I said I was. And that's a, that's a hard reality to face, but I've had to face that many times. But the beauty of it, as, we, as we're intentional about it, God grows us and develops us in ways that we didn't know we could grow when we're in community and it's hard, but we have to make it a priority in our busy schedules. And for, for David and Jonathan, like, like uh, Jonathan is being so intentional about this that he is sacrificing. Community, relationships, they're, they're about sacrifice. Most of us, like, we define love inappropriately based on feeling. Like, I, I, it doesn't, f- I don't feel very loving, so I, I'm not going to, like, extend that. But, but love is an action and a commitment and a decision, and so I, I, I'm intentional about loving you and, and, and force, not forcing it, but like making sure like God is, is working in my life to be able to offer pure and authentic and real love from my heart. And so I'm calling us to, to be intentional about our relationships because it needs to be a priority because it's a necessity for our growth. If you want to grow, if, if you want it to, to be healthy, like, and I, I tell this in premarital counseling many times, like, that one person is not designed to meet every single one of your needs. They're not. And so if you're young, if you're engaged, if you're newly married, like, if you're thinking that you're, you feel un, like your needs are unmet, it, it, it may not just be all your, like, your spouse's fault. You may be looking at them and they're not meeting this need. But, like, really we have to learn that other people, we need other people in our lives. And most of us, what we've done is we, we kind of build this nice little Wall uh, around us um, that, that we trap ourselves in that's quite lonely. But brick by brick, we need to begin to intentionally come out of this little cave that we've created for ourselves in our independence. We find ourselves very lonely. And that's a sad state of, of Americans today. We're more connected than we've ever been, and we're more lonely than we've ever been. There's something jacked up about that. We're so connected. We know what everyone, what's going on in everybody else's life by social media, but we don't really know, and they don't really know what's going on in our life. Come on, am I striking something? Like, this is, this is the real, and this is our culture today, and so we've got to be intentional about it and uh, realize that it's a necessity and make it a priority in our life. The third word is opportunity, and I just wanted to share with some of the opportunities that we're launching today as a church, like groups... Um, are just an organized fashion of us being intentional and off- offering opportunity. Because we may say, we may look for those relationships, and, but if we'll be intentional and put ourselves in, in opportunities for God to speak, I think we'll be surprised at what God does during that time. We put our groups in really three different types of groups, service, activity, and growth groups. A service group is something we've actually had a little bit of a lull in, and it's just where you go out and serve the community together, and you grow closer to one another while you go out and serve the community. We've actually had a little bit of a lull in our service groups in the past year or so, and I've been praying, God, raise up some people within this church that will say, man, I want to go out and serve, and anybody that wants to come with me, come with me. And, uh, and I thank God Shabreen's leading a group to, to do that. And so, hey, if you're not a person that maybe, I, I don't know about jumping around and sitting in a Bible study and doing a super deep study on 1 Corinthians, but like, man, I, I like going and working with my hands and serving, like, God will, God will meet you right there and he'll speak to you. And that, that is a spiritual activity that God, that you're growing closer together with his body. So connect with Shabreen on that. We've got a couple of activity groups that have actually been going all summer long and they're just gonna keep going Uh, One is Johnny Jemison, who's a little bit under the weather today, but he he said at the beginning of the the summer, he said, man, I really enjoy games, and there's this really cool coffee shop that has like a game night, uh, or they have a ton of games right here up the road, and he's like, I'm just going to go every Monday, and if you think people would want to join, we can make it a group, and he's been doing that every single Monday, Monday, and many of you have been out and hung out, and it's just been a great place to fellowship, doing things you already enjoy doing just with the body of Christ. And then Jason uh, Miles has been um, gathering men up in this church, and what do guys, ladies, if you ever want to know what your guy, what's, what's a good thing to bless him that he would really enjoy, like food and hanging out with his bros, like that's hanging out with the guys and eating food, like that's a win, and so they're doing that. It's called men's hangout, so once a month they just go and hang out and eat wings and and chill out. So um, that, that's uh, that's an, what we call an activity group, is just where you do things you already enjoy doing, eating, playing games, and whatever else might be on your heart and mind uh, that you enjoy doing. We can You can start a group behind that. Uh, and then we have growth groups that, that are taking place as well, which is where usually we're, we're diving into some type of biblical study and really fostering community around the Word and letting God speak to us in that time. And we believe that there's growth that happens in all these in many different ways, but, but we, this is more of on a, on a Bible study type of growth Uh, We've got a few of these. One thing we've been praying about is we just have so many awesome college-age students here in this church, and um, we've been praying that God would just raise up some people to to lead us uh, a group here. And I'm excited for Alex and Amanda. One, because they got engaged like two weeks weeks ago. Is that right? Yeah. We're excited for them. But this couple has a a genuine call uh, to ministry on their lives, and and I can affirm that in their lives. And so we're just going to continue to steward them and give them opportunity to to lead here and and watch what God's going to do in their life. But that's starting tonight, right? Is that starting tonight? Yeah, that's going to be awesome. So if you're college age, there's a great place to hang out and connect. John Carlo, many of you know John Carlo if you've been through DNA sessions. Um, he's, he's leading a, a co-ed group for men, women, whoever, uh, to, to meet. I think they're meeting at Panera. Um, I'll show you how to connect to the groups. But they're just going to be a, st- a biblical study in 1 Corinthians. Just w- once a week, just gathering, talking about 1 Corinthians. What did you learn? What questions do you have? What's God leading you to? What's he encouraging you through that? Uh, Jessica Miles is going to be leading a women's uh, study around the women of the Bible. You know, we talk about all the men. We talk about the David and the Jonathans and the Moses and Paul and Jesus. Where are the women at? And they're they're all in there. She's going to do an incredible study on that uh, meeting at her house uh, once a week. So that's going to be a a good one. I'm going to be leading two kind of short, more workshop style um, groups. Uh, My first group will just happen three weeks long, three Wednesday nights. Here in this coffee bar, if like your finances, like man, you just got to get, get a hold on some things or really just want genuine biblical learning about finance and how God does, desires financial freedom in your life, I'm going to be here this coming Wednesday for the next three Wednesdays studying that called the ABCs of Financial Freedom. And then post our uh, marriage conference, I'm going to be leading, uh, me and Taryn are going to be leading a, a marriage uh, group called the Crazy Cycle in Marriage, I kind to break that cycle uh, where we just keep doing the same old things and we wonder why are we in this cycle. So lots of cool groups. So there's lots of opportunities. We're trying to create lots of opportunities for you to connect in this time. But we've got to be intentional and make it a priority in our life. Let's continue on and let's jump to chapter 20. And let me catch you up what happens in chapter 19. Like stuff starts hitting the fan here. Because David is now serving him but Saul's kind of losing his mind. His insecurity, his anxiety has gotten the best of him, and now it's to the point that like he's so mad and angry at David that he's throwing spears at him. And so like David, like it's gotten real like when you're throwing spears at people. Like anybody ever got in a fight where you threw something? I'll just raise my hand. I'm not going to tell you how long ago it was, even though it was a long time ago. I didn't throw anything at Taryn. Don't worry. Um... Nobody else has thrown anything. You just don't want to admit it. Okay, okay, there we go. There we go. There's some, I've thrown some things. All right, been there, done that. So he got the best of him, and he's throwing a spear for crying out loud at David, and David's like, that's my cue to leave. Check, please. And he's out. Um, And and, uh, let's read this text here, and he meets Jonathan again and is speaking to him here in chapter 20. Then David fled from Naoth, at Ramah, and went to Jonathan and asked, what have I done? Like, what's my crime How have I wronged your father that he's trying to take my life? Jonathan replied, Never. You're not going to die. Look, my father doesn't do anything great or small without confiding in me. Why would he hide this from me? It's not so. But David took an oath and said, Look, your father knows very well that I found favor in your eyes. And he said to himself, Jonathan must not know or he will be grieved. Um, Yet as surely as the Lord lives as Uh, And as you live, there is only a step between me and death. Jonathan said to David, whatever you want me to do, I'll do for you. So there's just this submission and this deep love that's experienced here. And the second word that that God has brought to my heart is just the word authenticity. And usually we, we finally get real, as I'll just say it. We finally get authentic. We finally get vulnerable, like when we don't have anywhere else to go. Like the pain is so bad that we literally feel like we're going to die if someone else doesn't know that I just think there's a one step between me and death. Has anybody ever been at that point? I've been there where I feel like i got nothing else, and now I'm, I'm so trapped, I'm so lonely, I'm so heartbroken that I have to be vulnerable. And then in that time, it just feels like so much freedom. And, and David finds Jonathan, and he's like, dude, like, I don't get it, I don't get it, and like, Jonathan's trying to encourage him, and he's like, no, man, like, it's death, and and Jonathan's like, man, I'm here for you, like, whatever you you want, and and just this word authenticity kept coming to my heart, because as God called us to, to move to Jacksonville, one of our core values is authentic community, like, Christians all over the world are a community, like, we have shared values and shared beliefs, but I think we're lying to ourselves if we say, even in this city, that community is the most authentic thing we've seen. In fact, sometimes church, the body of Christ, is one of the least authentic places. Like, people don't hide who they are at work most of the time. Like, you get them in a, a workroom and you kind of find out who somebody is. But, like, in the church, like, we put up the facade and we make sure that everybody gets our best side. But I believe that the relationships that God has called us to form have to be authentic. They have to be real. I was telling somebody that was in my home this past week that uh, God has really transformed Taryn and I in the, f- the five years that we've been living here in this way. That We knew that God had called us to do this, but, but and we've always felt like we've been super honest people, like we're honest. Yeah, I would think the same of you. You're honest people, but honest and vulnerable are two different things. Honest and authentic are two different things. And like I can be honest about it like when I'm asked a specific question, but the idea of vulnerability like scares the mess out of most of us. Like no way. But like God was leading us to this type of, of authenticity as believers to one another where it was okay to not be okay. It was okay to, to ask a question where you're having doubts or, or, or you're battling with addiction. Like, lest we sit in this closed, confined you know, box that we've created, this prideful place that says, nah, I've got it, I'll figure it out. See you guys Sunday. Lest, lest we make this kind of scenario in which we're so lonely in here because no one knows I'm battling substance abuse in here. Nobody knows that I'm being abused in here. Nobody knows that we're on the verge of bankruptcy and losing our house. No, nobody, I don't, we gotta begin to take the, the bricks down one at a time. And just be be real and be authentic. And and I just want to challenge some of you. And I think most of you in the room, I I would say, like, you're honest. You're honest people. But but God is leading us to authenticity. And, and like, there's such freedom in that when we really get to a place where I'll I'll let you know. Like, because, like, you can have community. um, Or, excuse me, authentic community is not just having people around, but it's letting people in. And that's the difference. Like, vulnerability lets people in. And within the body of Christ, like, we cannot help one another unless we let each other in. If David never would have said, hey, man, I'm scared to death. I feel like I'm gonna die. If he never would have let him in there. If he just said, no, I got this. I I fought the giant. I fought, no, but there was this covenant. There was this intentional relationship of sacrifice that they've invested in one another's lives. And Jonathan's just amazing. He's like, I'm here for you, man. Whatever you need, I'm in this with you. And I think with authenticity, like, we know when someone's not being authentic. And I don't know if you're anything like me, but most of the time when um, I, when I um, can sense a lack of authenticity, it kind of pushes me away. Anybody been there? Like, you find someone that you're like, they're, they're not real. Like, I can't. You're, I mean, we, we kind of sense that, and we have a, a radar on that. Um, and sometimes that can push us away, but God's inviting us to to be available and, and to ask specific questions and, and to invite one another's in in to, to what's going on. And it doesn't matter how authentic, how vulnerable I am from this stage. as like Smokey the Bear. It's like only you who can prevent forest fires. Like as our church like, continues for, for many years, that I just believe that this is going to be here long after we are, um, like the, all of us, like after we're dead and gone, if the Lord tarries. But... Um, like only we can like continue that environment and, and embody that value of, of authenticity. Like only we can do that. And so if you're fighting alone, if, you, if you've built the walls around yourself, I'm inviting you into a relationship with the body of Christ that's safe, that's trustworthy, and, and where you can be real and be honest. Because um, it's only in that place that we can experience growth. It's only in that place that we can experience freedom. No, nobody can help you with the addiction until you get honest about it. Nobody can help you uh, with the, the bankruptcy and the financial needs until you get honest about it and show up at ABC's of Financial Freedom. Like nobody can help you until so you get to that place. Of like, look, I I, I want freedom. I, I want health in this. Let's flip over to chapter twenty three and and we'll land it here. Um, go all the way down to verse thirteen in chapter twenty three. So David and his men, about 600 in number, left Kali and kept moving from place to place. When Saul was told that David had escaped from Kali, uh, he did not go there. David stayed in the desert strongholds and in the hills of the desert of Ziph. Day after day, Saul searched for him, but God did not give David into his hands. And while David was at Haresh in the desert, while he was in the desert of Ziph, he learned that Saul had come out to take his life. And Saul's son Jonathan went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. He said, Don't be afraid. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel. I will be your second, I will be second to you. Even my father knows this. The two of them made a covenant before the Lord. Then Jonathan went home, but David remained at Horesh. This is the last words and the last time they'd see each other before Saul and David, or Saul and Jonathan would both um, be murdered out there on the battlefield while they're searching for him. David's men would, would kill him. Um, a crazy story. But what's beautiful about this is all of a sudden this commitment that we've had and we've just been encouraging one another, like it becomes deeply spiritual. And we realize how much we needed that. Like this is the last thing he says is he helps them find strength in God. Like, I don't know about you, but most of us we haven't run for our lives um, in in a way that we were really threatened. Some some of you in the room, you've experienced that. Closest I can get to it is like when I punched a kid and I had like twenty guys chase after me. Um, They said it was a sucker punch, but I felt like he was deserving, and like we were both bowed up. Um, And then I had like all this like twenty people like chasing after me. I was kind of scared for my life, and that's kind of the closest thing I can uh, relate to. I told you guys I used to be a fighter. (laughs) God does incredible miracles, um, but to really be running for for your life, and most of us haven't experienced that, or we're not living that now, but some of us we're on that pace, or we're just fighting to survive, maybe it's financially, or maybe it's emotionally, we're just trying to make it to the next weekend, and we're just trying to just make it through the week, and Every time that that there is an opportunity that's in front of us for a relationship and like there might just be a Jonathan in that group. Every time like we get a little afraid of what it might look like and we we take off running for our lives like trying to do this ourselves. But this moment that he encounters this opportunity the last word is spirituality that God meets us here. God meets us through one another. Like he, he meets our needs and we help each other find strength in God. I think many times in our relationships, like we're tend to take like victim or savior, and we feel like we've got to be like we're either a victim or or, or, or like the savior. I've got to rush in. I used to have some of us we have that complex. I I used to have this complex where I've got to rush in, I've got to save this. But I think Jonathan's example is the example for us today. What we do simply is they don't find strength in us. We help one another find strength in God. Like that's what we do. That's what it means to to create a Jonathan community is is to be intentional about it and and, and be sacrificial about it and and be authentic and like just say, hey, I'm here for you, whatever you need, like no strings attached. And then in this situation, we help one another find strength in God. And you say, well, I, I don't know, I don't see that opportunity for me right now. Like it's happening every single day and many times, like, we, we run out of answers in our own self. That's because we are not the answer. We're not the answer. The answer is simply helping others find strength in God. And if you're in the game group, like, there's just going to be a conversation that's going to come up, and you're going to think you've got you to come up with the right thing to say, and then we're just going to help each other find strength in God. And we're going to find ourselves in a group or we kind of hit a roadblock and none of us us know what to say because this person's dealing with a situation that we've we've never even come close to encountering. And then we're just going to have to lean in and help that person find strength in God because the truth of the matter is that one day we're David and another day we're Jonathan. Sometimes you feel a little bit crazy. I don't know about you. Sometimes I feel crazy, and, and like I, I feel like I'm just Mr. Jonathan on Monday, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just thinking about this person. I saw them carrying this, and like five texts, and two calls, and like three emails, and it's like Mr. Jonathan's just like doing all I can. And then by Tuesday, I'm like, I wish somebody would call me right now. <laughs> Come on. Like you're over there. Like you're doing everything you can to pour out. And then it's like, man, I'm I really, I'm, I, I need a Jonathan today. So it's okay, like that, that's what community is, that's what love is, that's what sacrifice is, and I think we can get burdened down with the thought of how do I handle all this, but it's simply pointing one another to find strength in God and to not fear. And I think all across this house, like when I'm challenging in intentionality and priorities and authenticity and vulnerability, these type of things, like these challenge us, and, and like frankly, like we might need to hear what David heard, like, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Like, God, God's going to do something through this. Like it's, it's got to be a priority of life because it's a necessity for our growth. It's a necessity for our health. And I'm going to talk to you more about groups here in a few minutes. But right now, I, I just want us to deal with like, like this part. If you've been running this race like just you and Jesus, and like you think you, like we're in good shape, like you're, you've got the head, but you're missing the body. But you're, you're missing the body. And God has not just invited you into a relationship with him, but when you are entered into a relationship with Christ the head, the groom, you also fall in love with the bride. And this is, it's a disease across America is that we love the groom, but we don't receive the bride. Now we gossip about the bride. We criticize the bride. The bride's never good enough. Duh we're not good enough in our own strength it's through jesus christ that we've been made clean all of us and at the foot of the cross the ground is level and so if you've got worry of like hey are they going to think this about me or whatever like at the foot of the, it's all level like there there is no there's no hierarchy it's all sons and daughters brothers and sisters around the feet of jesus it's that simple but it's also that profound that Jesus has called us into relationship with His body. I'm gonna ask you to stand and just to bow your heads this morning. And I wanna pray because I believe that God's just gonna bring us to a time right now of reflecting and letting God speak to our hearts. The only reason I care about the strength and the health of our groups is because I, I care about the health and strength of you and your family. That, it's, about, it's about serving you. It's about leading you. It's about us being discipled to be more like Christ. That's it. That's it. And I just, in this next few moments, I just want to pray over and just pray that. And I'm just going to pray this prayer like first person. There's different types of prayer. Like there's intercessor where I can, I can pray for you and there's, there's, there's prayers of agreement. And I just feel led in this moment to just pray a prayer of agreement that I'm just gonna pray this prayer for us. And I'm not saying you can't pray like on your own, like pray on your own. But as I pray this prayer, like if you can agree with this and just say, God, yes. Like that's, that's where I'm at. Like that's speaking. God, I just want you to just, we're gonna end this with just an amen. And like, yes, God, lead us there. God, right now I'm, I'm hungry for you. And I don't have the answers for anybody else, because I, I don't even have the answers for myself. But I know you, and I love you, and you have invited me into a relationship, God. And I pray right now that you would just stir within my heart to, to, to begin to tear down whatever a wall of pride or... Um, fear or insecurity that I've built around myself, that you, through your spirit, would knock it down in Jesus' name, that I might come to know what it means to experience the body of Christ in its fullness, God. Not that I'm in this thing alone, but you have knit me and woven me into the beautiful fabric of the body of Christ that stretches across this entire world. And right here, you have placed me in this room for such a time as this, that I might be a Jonathan to the person sitting across from me. And I, I might be, there might be a Jonathan in this room, God, that's going to lean over and pour into me in these next few months or few years. Someone who will make a spiritual covenant, God. And I'm, I'm just not going to get uh, obsessed with looking for that person. But, God, what I am going to get obsessed with is just falling in love with you and seeking after you and taking advantage of the opportunity that is right in front of me. And being faithful in that, God, I pray that you would lead us beyond comfortable waters into the depth of what it means to be a part of your family. Lead me, God. Lead us. Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And amen.